Welcome, I'm Sirius Afshar, and this is the Wigos Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between informal economy and social protection, including debates around workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and all the social protection policies for informal workers in order to improve their livelihoods. Adding this episode, social and solidarity economy has got into a very high place in the international agenda. This year, SSE, as it's called, was a theme of the International Labor Conference in which workers' representatives, government officials and employers' representatives have gathered to discuss this alternative form of organizing production, distribution and consumption. One of the main outcomes of the conference was that the proposed definition of the social solidarity economy was approved. To understand the importance of this landmark and to learn in which ways it can contribute to the discussion of expanding social protection for informal workers, we invited two guests, Janvi Dave and Santiago Fisher. Janvi is the international coordinator of Homeland International, a global network of 36 home-based worker organizations in 20 countries representing over 600,000 workers. Santiago is the advocacy research coordinator for the NGO We Social Movements based in Belgium. He collaborates with social movements active in Latin America, Asia, Africa, such as women movements, youth associations, trade unions and local NGOs. And now, let's hear our talk with Janvi Dave and Santiago Fisher. Janvi Dave and Santiago Fisher, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Cyrus. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you very much uh, for uh, inviting me, Cyrus. So, before we dive right into it, I would like to hear from you. What do you understand by social and solidarity economy? Let's start with you, Janvi. Social and solidarity economy, of course, it has a definition and at ILC this year, they did describe it very well. However, for a simplified term, what social and solidarity economy means to me is that it has two components. First is the social component, which is the objective of the enterprise or the organization that we are talking about, that the objectives have to be more broad-based and uh, relevant to the home-based workers in our case. The second is solidarity, which for me means the ownership of the organization that is there. So it has to be owned by the home-based workers. And the third part, which is very important, the economy or the economic sustainability, the reason why a lot of home-based workers have these organizations is to have economic sustainability. So for home-based workers have many different forms of social and solidarity economy, like the cooperatives, the producer-owned companies. Some call it social enterprises, but many of us differ on it because social enterprises in many cases are not owned by the home-based workers. And that's where we differ. So for our social and solidarity economy means the objectives have to be for the home-based workers. The solidarity or the ownership has to be by the home-based workers and it needs to be economically sustainable. For, uh, for us, for uh, WSM, the social and solidarity economy, it's people 
organizing at the level of communities of uh, small villages and uh, there are people who are uh, more or less in precarity and they uh, they they would like to uh, to have a way to improve their situation to uh, get out of uh, from poverty and uh, that's why it's very important for these people to be able to set a new economic uh, process but it's different from the uh, the common uh, industry and enterprise and companies processes here uh, the, the social and solidarity economy it's for the communities it's human based so it's for the interest of the human beings we do not want people to earn a lot of money people uh, just investor to uh, to earn a lot of money with that we want people in the communities into the communities to earn money and to be able to live and most of the of the social and solidarity economy uh, companies small companies they are providing different set of services for the communities and services which has been decided by the community so people decide for the future of themselves and they earn money just just to be to be sure to live and if they gain and if they earn a lot of a little bit of money they reinvest it for the community for the people not for the investors for big investors like we have in big companies so for us it's the definition of the social and solidarity economy the last ILC in June was dedicated to the topic of social solidarity economy. What is the importance of this topic for HomeNet and for we social movements? Santiago, do you want to take this one first? For WSM, it's important because we have a lot of different partners we are working with in Asia, in Africa, in Latin America, which are busy with uh, those uh, kind of processes. They are setting each day each week they are setting new uh, companies of social and solidarity economies because they need it they need it for the beneficiaries they need it for the people for the community because in those countries it's very difficult to find a work uh, there is a lot of informality so that's why for us for WSM that's a way the social and solidarity economy is a way to get out of poverty but as well it's a way it's a way to get out of informality and when you get out of informality, you can maybe access to uh, different services which uh, the state provide, like the access to universal social protection. Janvi, do you want to jump in? Um, the topic of social and solidarity economy is extremely important to home-based workers because if you see around the world, home-based workers are not always organized as unions. They're also organized as cooperatives, as producer-owned companies, sometimes federation of self-help groups. So many different forms of social and solidarity economy models. However, at ILC, they've not had real discussion say, beyond even cooperatives. So this becomes of vital importance to home-based workers because there are no laws in many countries around social and solidarity economy. So they may have laws around cooperatives, but not around producer-owned companies or federation of different models. And therefore, we feel this overarching concept of social and solidarity economy becomes very important for home-based workers. And I'm quite glad that at ILC this time, there was a discussion on it. What was the role of your organizations at the conference? What kind of contributions have you brought to the discussion. Janvi, do you want to start? Um, this ILC was actually very special for Homenet International, not only because there was a general discussion on social and solidarity economy, 
but also because this was the first time we had an independent delegation to ILC. So, you know, for the first time we had five representatives who could be, you know, registered and were able to participate in some of the discussions where we were allowed to go. So it was very special. We contributed in different ways wherever it was possible. So, you know, there was a paper that we came up with along with Vigo and other global networks of informal economy workers. And that joint paper was like a position paper. What, what we mean by social solidarity economy, what we want in that general discussion. The second part was together, actually, as a group, we also had an interaction with other trade unions and with some of the delegates who were going to represent there. So say, for example, SEVA was there. And of course, they took uh, the demands of all the informal economy workers, but we ensured that some of our needs are also represented through uh, the representatives at ILC. So one big concept for us was also how should we actually de-link this thing from social enterprises as well as the social and solidarity economy. So we have different models and most of us actually don't like social enterprises. And I can, I can tell you the reason is because many social enterprises actually hire home-based workers and not as employees, but as peace rate workers. And in many cases, they're exploited. So we don't really like the concept of social enterprises being covered under social and solidarity economy. So we try to push back a little bit on that include different models of social and solidarity economy because people think of SSE only as cooperatives or, you know, say social enterprises. But social enterprises sometimes become vague. So in Asia, producer-owned companies are very popular. Self-help groups and their federation are very popular in Africa. So we try to push in some of that uh, of home-based workers. We also created some case studies of home-based workers and their models, which we shared with many of the groups so they could understand where home-based workers are coming from and what is the nature of their own organizations. And uh, overall, I think we had pretty much the same stand as other informal economy workers on SSE. And I actually thought the general discussion and the paper which they came out with before that was quite good to start with. So it was a good starting point from, for us in many ways. Santiago? We have been uh, there in, uh, in Geneva representing the, the Belgian trade union, the ACVCSC, so the, 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 labor, the Christian Labour uh, Trade Union, because this year, as you may know, the, the NGOs weren't uh, authorized to enter physically in the, in the labor conference uh, because of the pandemic, because of uh, some uh, works in the headquarters as well of, of the ILO. And so we were represented the ACVCSC and um, the contribution was very clear because we wanted to collect all the testimonies of our partners in the field. And so we spent two months before the, the conference just collecting those testimonies and asking to our partners, what do you want? What do you want from the ILO? What do you want from this ILC? What's, what's the outcome you have been waiting? And so all the partners, they respond to, uh, to different interviews, to different questionnaires, just responding what were the concerns, what were the difficulties uh, with their social economy company they, they, they have in their country. And so with this, all this material, we use it to provide and, and, and to display and to spread it in the, during the ILC, during the, the conference. So in the conference, as you may know, it's a trapeze chart uh, conference 
we have the, the trade unions, in, the, in another side, we have the states, and another side, we have the employers. And so as we were preparing uh, all the discussion in the, in, among the trade unions groups, so WSM was all the time providing some testimonies, providing the, the concerns, just trying to explain what are the concerns of people, of normal people, of uh, social economy uh, companies in the field in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Uh, what kind of concerns are you talking about? One of the big concerns is that uh, most of the uh, SSE's companies, uh, they don't have a lot of support of the state and from different uh, state authorities, from the local to the national, they are not recognized by the state. Most of the state and most of the other companies, they say, mm, it's not so interesting. You are not uh, earning a lot of money, so we don't want to help you. You are not providing uh, a lot of jobs uh, for people, so you are very small, so we don't want to help you. Uh, the second concern is the access to the, uh, the financements. Uh, most of those companies, they, they, they suffer a lack of financements because of the lack of recognition. And so they would like to have more support, financial support and recognizing of the states coming from the state and coming from other companies. And so that's why we try to communicate this concern during the ILC. What is your overall assessment of the International Labour Conference on Social and Solidarity Economy? Jandi. I think, you know, it was a very good starting point that uh, there was a general discussion on SSC. It's brought in a lot of focus on the organizations that home-based workers have. And uh, our assessment is that after this, the concluding paper that has come about, it's actually actually a big win. I take it quite positively, and I'm hoping that in future, we can look forward for maybe a convention on, um, you know, social and solidarity economy. I know we, we're far away from it, but my hope is that we'll definitely have a convention on SSE in future. Santiago? That was a historical uh, moment because that was the first general discussion on uh, social and solidarity economy, which took place in the, in the ILO. Even though since 1920, the ILO is busy with this uh, thematic, uh, even though they, they have a, a unit, uh, an enterprise unique un unit, and they have as well a small service uh, uh, busy with social and solidarity economy, but we don't have a lot of uh, material. There are a few conventional recommendations uh, which mention the existence of social and solidarity economy and solidarity economy, but we didn't have a, a based a fundamental text on, on this team, even though uh, the declaration of Philadelphia of the ILO mentioned as well the, the social and solidarity economy, we, don't, we, we didn't have a, a, any, any text explaining what is social and solidarity economy. And so that's why uh, that was very important to, uh, to have this discussion, uh, because uh, this discussion, the general discussion, uh, the, the main outcome is a, gen is, it's a general conclusion. And so for us, the assessment is uh, very positive as we, uh, we have obtained this uh, this paper of four pages, uh, which explain the definition of the ILO of the social and solidarity economy, which explain the guiding principle to address the challenges and the opportunities for social and solidarity economy, the role of uh, government and social partners uh, to enhance social and solidarity economy, and as well the role of ILO to promote 
and to enhance uh, the, this, uh, the, the SSE. So for us, the, the general assessment is very positive. As well, the states were very involved in the discussion. The employers as well. So the employers uh, tried at the beginning to minimize the importance of the social and solidarity economy. They were blocking with, uh, in, in a few aspects. But at the end, we, we realized that, the, that they didn't want to block all the discussion. So I think we have worked in a very good uh, atmosphere with the states, the employers, the trade unions, we all wanted to establish the first real text of the ILO, uh, which aims is to defend and to promote social and solidarity economy. What kind of contributions can social solidarity economy debate bring to the social protection policies? Santiago. Mm-hmm. Yes, the contribution is very huge and uh, uh, for social protection because Uh, most of the time in uh, some areas, in some uh, remote communities where there is a lot of poverty and people cannot be member of the of a mutuality, of a health mutuality, uh, we have um, social economy companies, ground-based, uh, community-based, uh, which try to, uh, to promote this access to, uh, to social protection. And most of the time, for example, they, uh, uh, we have uh, trade unions or uh, other movement to create uh, small mutualities, social economy units, and those mutualities, uh, they, organize, they organize people each other in the community. And so, for example, they ask people to pay a small contribution each month. But after this, with this contribution, they have access to the to the hospital, to the local hospital, and they don't pay anymore. And so it's a solidarity scheme, which they establish. And most of the time in those remote areas, the, the access to social protection is, uh, is done thanks to uh, the social economy and social economy units, because people gather, they figure out what they need. So they need a job, they need a decent uh, work, decent wage. And after this, uh, the, the next step is we need health insurance we need we need health uh, covering and so that why most of the time in most of the time in africa and latin america and asia they they organize each other and they know that it's a service they need the access to the social protection and by the way uh, we cannot replace the state system but in some countries where uh, where the state the, uh, the state system uh, doesn't exist uh, regarding uh, social protection uh, those Uh, small units promoting uh, the access to social protection can maybe influence the states in order to establish this kind of system. So that's why that's one of our strategy in WSM is trying to uh, to promote those uh, those mutualities in the in the community in communities, remote areas, in order to allow the access to social protection. What about you, Jandi? What do you think? You know, in many countries, social protection is being privatized. So earlier, many governments played this welfare role and provided different forms of social protection. However, we see more and more private companies come into this, have come into the space of providing social protection, which is not a very good news. While many governments talk about efficiency that the private companies can provide, however, we feel that the governments are actually not playing their role as a welfare organization. But having said that, private organizations, when we talk about, are not always these large corporates, right? Uh, A cooperative also is a private organization, but a different nature with different objectives. 
and we feel that they can also play a role in providing social protection. There have been many cases around the world, especially from the country that I come in. Sevas formed health cooperatives, has its own insurance company, and I feel that they actually are in the form of social solidarity economy. And they've played a large role in ensuring that informal economy workers receive social protection in an efficient way and reach to the last mile. What were the main takeaways and lessons learned from the ILC process? Yeah, I mean, this ILC process was slightly different. You know, we're used to having ILC where physically we can be present. And then there was an year where everything moved to online. And this year, there was a mixed process. You know, some organizations could be there. However, some of us could not be there. We could only participate online, right? And uh, one big learning that we have is to, to adapt to some of these processes very quickly. And we want workers to speak, to, to be on board. However, the processes are very complex. We don't know when what is happening on a daily basis. We actually have a couple of people who, who, who are only tracking on where they can reach and where they can speak. So that is one big lesson that we have, that we have to adapt very quickly, but also the role that the communications can play in ensuring that workers can go and speak. My other big takeaway from specifically on social and solidarity economy is that, you know, I think every group over there, the employers, the government, and uh, the worker representatives had a very different perspective on what it really means or what forms do they have. Like, for example, the employers kept talking about social enterprises and how SSE is, is exactly what they're doing, right? They're, they're private players and they have their models are also social and solidarity economy. And uh, I felt that what our group did or the workers group did was to at least put in this perspective of what it really means, what are the different forms of SSE. And I felt that many of the representatives from the government actually changed their perspective. So which we felt was very good. And the support that many worker groups received from the government was actually excellent. So um, I feel we have to keep writing, keep talking, and within the worker group also, the trade unions who are representing there don't always work with informal economy workers. So we have to do a lot of uh, you know, sharing process with the trade unions there and ensure that they can talk to the government. Unfortunately, we are not able to be there, but I, my hope is that in future, we can physically also attend ILC. Santiago, would you like to add your takeaway too? One of the, maybe one of the first uh takeaways is that we see that the, the international institution begin to understand that uh, the neoliberalism model and uh, the model of the big companies of big transnational doesn't work anymore. And so we need a small value chain as well, because we know that the, the long value chain around the world doesn't work anymore. And uh, we have seen uh, the different breaches with the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Uh, we have seen uh, as well that most of the time in the big uh, value chain, uh, we have a, a breaking of uh, a violation of abuse of decent work and uh, human rights in general. And so we know, and uh, so now we realize, and those 
institution, international institution, realize that uh, it's one maybe it's one of the solution, the social and solidarity economy, to get people out of poverty, to make people uh, live decently in their communities, in their remote areas, or maybe as well in the big cities. They understand that. Uh, and so we see, for example, that the United Nations, they would like to, as well to approve one uh, resolution on social and solidarity economy. Maybe this year it will be approved. I think it's one of the, one of the big takeouts of, uh, of this discussion is that people realize, institutions realize, states, uh, trade unions, and uh, as well employers realize that uh, the, the model of neoliberalism doesn't work anymore and that we have to establish new ways to put people out of poverty. So I think it's very positive. Uh, we have seen as well that, uh, uh, as well the, the, the trade unions, because uh, the trade unions, most of the time, uh, we think that they just want to be busy with their, uh, and to take care of the uh, formal workers. They realize as well the, uh, the, the trade unions that uh, the informal workers and uh, are very important to take care of. And uh, that uh, it's one of the ways to, uh, to take care of these people is to promote the social and solidarity economy. To wrap up, um, I would like to know from both of you, what were the next steps of your organizations in regards to SSE? Janvi, do you want to start? Right. Before the ILC, we had many of our organizations who are social and solidarity economy organizations, and we continue to support them in many ways, build the capacity, and we'll do that. Specifically for the discussion at ILC, we've decided to continue this process of coming up with different case studies of uh, models, different models of SSE that we have within our affiliates. And we think that's important is because we're not talking enough about our organizations and how uh, they are relevant and what is the impact on the workers. So we're going to continue these series of case studies. The second part is, you know, we're going to also engage with, say, IDWF, with StreetNet International, with Global Alliance of Waste Pickers, as well as with WeGos, because we feel that as a group, we are able to create a lot of impact. And we continue having a dialogue on SSE and find different spaces where we can influence. So even with the ILC, we're so fortunate to have Simil at ILO. And, uh, you know, she's always out there to listen to what we have to talk about. And she takes a voice in uh, a lot of these processes. So, so we are hoping to continue engaging with ILO as a larger group. Santiago? One of the next steps is to continue to uh, support uh, the different partners uh, in the field working on social and solidarity economy because we know that uh, the change, the global change is coming from the base. So it's coming from the field. And so as we show that social and solidarity economy is working, uh, as we show it, we have examples uh, in the field uh, uh, which uh, shows that it works and, uh, and it shows that uh, it it put people out of poverty. So we, uh, we have proof uh, to give to the international institution to, uh, to show that uh, it's working, that we have to continue to promote social and solidarity economy. The second step as well, I think it's to socialize the outcome of this uh, ILC of the International Labor Conference. And so that's why with a different network as we go and uh, repass as well, we uh, would like to socialize together, organizing one webinar this year in 2022, uh, in order to socialize the outcome of the ILC. 
because it's very important to, uh, to make people aware, to make communities, to make uh, different uh, people working in different countries aware of this text because they can use this text to lobby and to, uh, add, to lobby their, their state, their, uh, their regional government and the, the, their local government just to show, look at this, you see here that uh, the, IL, the ILO is uh, promoting uh, social and solidarity economy. And in order to, uh, to get through the different obstacles, like as, uh, as I told you, the financement, the lack of recognition uh, of the social and solidarity economy. So socialize the, the, the outcome is very important. Socialize it with different partners, but as well with state, with employers, it's uh, one of the main tasks because it's a general conclusion. So it's not a legal text uh, as a, uh, it's not a, a convention or recommendation. It's just more orientation and guidelines, but those guidelines can help uh, different states in order to uh, promote and to uh, recognize a social and solidarity economy. Jan V. Dave and Santiago Fisher, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Cyrus, for letting us speak on this very important topic. Thank you very much for inviting me. And if you want to learn more about the discussions of this year's International Labour Conference on Social Solidarity Economy, we will leave some links at the description of the episode, including to the joint position paper on Social Solidarity Economy by HomeNet International, Global Alliance of Waste Speakers, StreetNet International, International Domestic Workers Network, SEWA, and WeGo. And don't forget to follow WeGo on our social media channels, Twitter and Facebook, to get our most updated news, advocacy materials, and research publications. I am Sirius Afshar, and this was the Wigo's Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. See you next time.